power out, it screwed everything up, you know? So it's hey, man, it's life. So, <laughs> and normally I was expecting you to be having a cocktail with me, but since now we're taking this to the car, that would not be a good, especially considering the conversation that we're about to have. I like, <laughs> I wanted to, I just had no choice. I had my business up in LA, so I was just like, I just pulled over and just did it. Oh, well, thank you. But, um, sure. Well, welcome, friends, to another episode of Conversations Under the Influence. I'm your host, Natalia Nemes. I'm super excited to be chatting with Chris Werner. Werner, that's how you pronounce your last name, right? Warner, yep. Warner, okay. Um, yep. He is a co-founder and partner with um, a lot of cool companies. Um, one, which we're going to tap into today, Fits America. Um, they're doing a lot of cool things with um, technology and the healthcare system, but they're also be breaking barriers with mental health and addiction that we'll get into. So with no further ado, kids, <laughs> we're going to jump into it. Um, so, you know, like many of you have been following my journey, I have mental illness and addiction in my family. I've had my bouts of it. I've tapped my toe in it. But um, because my sister and my mother have both suffered from it for over 20 years, I've had the right. awareness of what not to do and when to reach out for help. And Chris um, has had probably the worst case scenario that anybody can imagine. His wife, who suffered from mental illness and um, alcoholism, passed away because of it. And yeah. um, would you like to talk a little bit more about who she was as a human being and then also talk yes. about your journey through the struggle? Yeah, absolutely. I have no problem telling the story. So thank you, Natalia. Thank you for having me. So one of my favorite people. I love you. you do a great job with the podcast. So Oh, yeah. And P.S., the, the outage, there's power outages in San Diego. So yeah. hence why Chris is coming to us live from his car. <laughs> I know. I had no choice. I had to work with it, you know, with this way because of the Santa Ana winds. They're, uh, <laughs> yeah, they shut down half the city with SDG&E. So pretty crazy. So anyway, yeah. So my story is, so I was married to literally the love of my life founder. Uh, I waited to get married till I was like 32 years old. You know, it was very selective. Like we all have our checklist of what we want in a person and she hit them all. Mm. But what I didn't realize was there was something underlying. So, and that is very high anxiety, childhood trauma that she went through. Mm -hmm. She lost a sister uh, at 18 months old to, due to a drowning. And then there was, I'm just going to be very open about the whole story. So yes, she also had sexual molestation. Okay. So the point of this is because of that unique trauma that she had as a kid, she had unresolved trauma and she went to therapy, but the, the, I look at it like the medical industry really let her down because there's traditional paths and traditional routes that people go, you know, when they are having high anxiety, a lot of people have anxiety, like super high anxiety. So Marie was an absolute 10 knockout, beautiful, like incredible, funny, smart, six figure job. You know, mother too. I have two little kids, uh, Gavin and Bria. So mm. Gavin is nine and Bria is 11. Mm. And so we had like the picture perfect life on Instagram, right? Mm. So from the outside looking in, you would have no idea. I mean, like literally like, you know, I get everything I promised to her in the beginning. I, I gave her, I told her we're going to be got financial freedom. We're going to be able to do what we want. I'm going to love you tell you that, you know, till the end, you know, everything's going to be, you know, great. We're going to really make a great life here. And so we got the boy and the girl, like everything was lining up perfectly. But then um, several years into the marriage, I started noticing that she started drinking too much and we were best friends. So we were super tight, like, and she kind of took me for granted for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, and people do that in relationships, you get too comfortable. Yeah. And this certainly happened with, with her. Sorry, I got to like, move my car. It's crazy. <laughs> but anyway, um, so anyway, that she started like, 
you know, hiding alcohol in the house. And I noticed she was drinking at inappropriate times. And then it just started getting worse and worse and worse. And we had a lot of fun together, as I mentioned, you know, going out and best friends were like doing like normal drinking stuff. But then I started having to travel for work. And then I would call in, I would notice slurring and I would notice, mm. you know, that the alcoholism was escalating. And that was happening over time. So we're about seven years into the marriage now. And then it really got to the point where she was making horrible choices. And, you know, and I, my kids, I love more than anything. So it got to a point where I'll just, you know, kind of fast forward here because we have a certain amount of time where her life really got unmanageable. So in the, let's see, the ninth year of the marriage, um, I sent her to six rehabs in one year. She missed 170 days of the kid's life. I spent wow. 245 grand out of pocket. Yeah. And I'm, you know, fast forwarding here through a lot of hell prior to that, right? And I'm extremely loyal. I'm a Leo, like to the end, like I'm going to be with you. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. But what I really want to point out is that the brain is, is, is an organ, right? And people judge people with addiction. People judge you know, there's shame associated with it. And that's the stigma that I really want to shatter. So the brain's no different than the heart, than the kidney, than a lung. But people, the way the public perceives it, they, they feel like you're weak if you have depression or if you have addiction, there's, you know, there's a character issue with you. But they don't understand what's going on below the surface, right? Yeah. So people have this real high anxiety. So when they really have that anxiety, they're trying to balance their brain out and just feel normal. They're seeking that. So they're trying to figure out a way to feel normal and feel level, right? And so she found that through wine. And so, but when it crosses over into being extremely irresponsible and, you know, I'll just tell you, like, you know, driving the kids and like all that stuff. And then I just had to be like the cop in the relationship. So I'll just tell you how bad it got. It got to the point where I told her, like, she would go to a rehab and literally hit a gas station on the way home. And like, we're all yeah. excited to see her 30 days after her rehab. And she's like rolling through the gas station on the way back to San Diego. And she's drunk when she gets there. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, are you kidding me? You know, you just missed 30 days of your kid's life and you're drunk right now? Like, is this possible? Mm -hmm. You know, so it got to the point I put breathalyzers in the home. Like, for my peace of mind, before, like, I would just look at her, like, doing dishes. I'm like, are you fucked up? Like, I mean, it was just a constant, are you fucked up? And it's a horrible way to be. I mean, not to interrupt you, but I've been there multiple times with my mom and it sucks. Like you want to look at them with love and not judgment. But at one point you are that cop, you know, you got to be the cop, yeah. you know, especially when there's kids involved. So I would just like for, I would just say for you to be married to me, for you to stay in this relationship, for you to live here point blank, I'm going to breathalyze you whenever I want, you know, cause I have to know that that's the case. Well, now here's where it gets tricky and what really is sad. Okay. So it got to the point where she went to a three month rehab in Northern California. She comes out and, you know, within like, she made it like three months and then she started, you know, drinking again. Right. And we were like, totally cool. Everything was going well again. I'd forgiven everything. I'd moved by it. And what I didn't realize was the doctors had her on, they loaded her up with benzos. So this is what I really want to talk about with you, because this is where we're making a big breakthrough with our technology company and everything. So they had her on six different benzos. And the way psychiatrists right now will put anybody on prescription medication is they're going to have a conversation with you and they're going to look for symptom clusters. So they're going to look, they're going to listen and they're going to say, okay, but why don't we try this benzo? This benzo, like they're putting you on a cocktail 
of things without ever looking at your brain. And it's the only industry or you know doctor that doesn't look at the organ they treat. So yeah. there are doctors out there, and I'll, I'll, I'll say his name, you know, a guy who was very, it's very you know, controversial, but a guy named Dr. Amen, I want people to go look at his stuff because he does what's called spect imaging of the brain where he can actually, you can look at two people's brains and one is you know, lit up like a Christmas tree, red everywhere. Another one does low activity in their brain, but the psychiatrist is prescribing them the same medication. So what that can do is it's, it's highly irresponsible. It's a complete racket because what happens is you get a psychiatrist like prescribing gabapentin over and over and over again. That's my mother, nerve. my mother. Oh my God. And what's happening is big pharma is giving them kickbacks and they're sending them to Maui to go learn about gabapentin for a week. And so they're prescribing the hell out of it and they're keeping track of that. And it's just a straight up racket. So people trust doctors but they're, it, it's really the wrong way of doing it. So Abraham Lincoln in 1840 was depressed in Italia, okay? The medical industry is still doing things the way they were doing it in 1840. Yeah. So there's a problem with that, okay? So this hit home for me. So I'm uniquely positioned to do something about it because I was in the eye of the, eye of the hurricane. So I'll just fast forward. I know I'm kind of jumping everywhere with it. There's lots of time. I'm following you. I'm sure everyone right. else is. So anyway, um, at the end, she, I ended up having to take the kids from her. Um, it was just, it was ugly. You know, it was just, I had to kick her out of the house straight up, but she hadn't been warned like for a straight year, like over and over and over and over. Like, I will do this to you if you don't get it together, you know? Yeah. So, but I didn't understand. It was like, let me get this description. The only way I can really describe it, it's like shooting BBs at a freight train. So when you're in it, you are helpless if you're the other person that loves them, like, you know, with your mom mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, the issues that, you know, you got everything lined up. So your logical part of your brain is going, Jesus Christ, you got it all. Like, what the fuck? You know, yeah. what are you doing? And then, but what you don't realize is the anxiety, the trauma is so much bigger than a life you can give someone that they're just trying to get right between the five and a half inches between their ears, you know? Yeah. And so I, I didn't understand addiction. I didn't understand it. I, I believe me, I'm reading up on it during it, trying to get as educated as I can. The rehabs won't even let you talk to them. Like they just, I mean, it's a thousand bucks a day, pretty much. They put people <laughs> in a circle, they're talking about all their horror stories, which doesn't really help anyway. But the really the best way to do it is really one-on-one -on -one psychotherapy is what I learned out of this whole thing. So there are rehabs that can help people. Okay, I'm not like saying rehabs are bad, but it's got to be in conjunction with therapy, you know, because people, it, the emotions, the underlying emotions are what really drive the addiction the majority of the time. Yeah. So my point with this is what I'm doing is it's all about money in the end, all right? So the reason psychiatrists aren't doing medical imaging and looking at the brain is because they're, it's too expensive. There's no billable pathway to do that. So part of my past is I used to be a chief of staff of the United States congressman. I worked for Mayor Daley in Chicago. I worked as a political operative for a decade. So I actually literally wrote key legislation. I wrote a lot of bills that became law. So I know how to get things done in Washington. And I have a lot of connections, you know, a lot of big time connections. So what I'm doing is I, it's, it's a crusade for me. To, because out of tragedy sometimes comes amazing, beautiful things, right? Absolutely. So what, what I'm doing is creating a billable pathway for psychiatrists to really do their job the right way. And that means not only are they going to listen to you during a conversation, but they're going to actually look at an image of your brain. And then they're going to prescribe medication custom tailored back to, back to your specific brain 
or whoever is sitting in front of them. That's the right way to do it. It's the only way to do it. So, you know, this trial and error bullshit of, you know, we're going to load you up with this benzo and then this one, and we'll just see if that works and see me in three months. Well, that literally can lead to a catastrophic event, which is what happened. Yeah. What happened to my wife was she ended up going to my kid's soccer practice at like 7 p.m. I had put her, um, you know, I had a restraining order on her because she just wasn't safe. I didn't know. She, she had went to a bender. She was on a bender at a hotel, like woke up with this dude in bed. But her mom calls in and that's when I'm like, okay, fuck you. I'm done. You know, now you've cheated. Ball game, right? Done. Yeah. So at that point, that's when I threw the restraining order on her, filed on her the next day. And then she kind of goes into a tailspin, of course, after that. And then what she ended up doing as a result is she was like, well, if I can't be with you, I'm not going to be alive. So she commits suicide. Mm. So she literally drove, she went to my kid's soccer practice at 7 PM. She drove to the, got loaded at some bar from what I understand. And then drove to the Coronado bridge and jumped off it. Mm. Literally straight up. Only 400 people have ever done it. I'm one of the people that has dealt with the aftermath of that. So yeah. So tried to hang in there as much as I could, did everything I could. But the moral of the story is that no matter how great things look for anybody, that's why you see these Hollywood celebrities, all these people that have dealt with addiction, they're not really given the right tools to properly succeed. And yeah. so what I'm trying to do through my, my technology company, and that's Fits America, there's, it's more for, you know, it's a whole different paradigm shift in the healthcare industry. We can do another topic on for another day. But an extension of that is creating billable pathways so doctors can do their job right. So I'm looking at myself as a pioneer, a maverick, because I have the tech, I have the ability to do it, I have the relationships to do it. So look for big change in the next few years. Now, I got to understand, this isn't easy. So it's like every psychiatrist right now wants to put a bullet in my head because they're going, shut up, dude, you know, but I'm going, (laughs) no, you shut the fuck up, because I'm going to give you the tools to do your job the right way, so you can sleep at night, and do things right, you know, because there's too many catastrophes that are happening out there due to these prescription drugs, so um, it's it's really just sad, you know, And, and people, the system has failed the patient, that's what I want people to really get, you know, so don't judge people, if they're depressed, if they you know, have mental illness, you know, like I said, the point I really want to get across is that the brain is simply another organ. It's like your heart. It's like anything else. But when this happened to us, by the way, and my nice little, you know, neighborhood and everything, it's like flipping on the light and the cockroaches ran everywhere, ran away from us. And like, I'm the suicide house. And I'm like, holy shit, I created this whole life. That's amazing. And then now all of a sudden, just flat out labeled relationships in the neighborhood. I mean, people just all scattered. It was something else to go yeah. through. So you can't really, you can hear my passion and conviction with it because I literally was in the eye of the hurricane and then the bomb went off. And yeah. I mean, the bomb, like medical examiner there the next morning, had to go tell my kids, had to pull them out of school. You can imagine telling my daughter that. And she ran around the backyard hysterical that her mom, you know, was dead. So we couldn't tell them the truth even at that point. They're too young. So there were so many moving parts here that when you opened with, you had the most horrible tragedy. Well, I straight up did. (laughs) There's no way. I mean, so I'm really fun as you can tell. (laughs) (laughs) But, but anyway. So um, real quick. So um, obviously 
a tremendous loss and I apologize. I'm sorry for that. Nobody should go Thank through you, that. Sir. I also want to commend you for, you know, doing what you're doing now and, tr and trying to create change. How right. have you, um, how have you begun to heal as, and as well as your kids, like what are you guys doing right now to be proactive? Like you're talking about trauma from your wife's standpoint yeah. is what led her to this. Now, how are you protecting your kids as well as yourself to not fall into that pattern? Great question. So now, once again, now just dealing with a look with a freight train once again, right? So how do you navigate life now? How do you move through this? And first thing I did was my parents are great. They ended up selling their house in Kansas City and moving in with me. Mm -hmm. So we had grandma and grandpa's stable hand to come into the household. So that was massive. I had to basically just not, you, know, you got to remember when something like this happens to you, like you straight up go into PTSD. I mean, you are just immediately thrown into trauma. You're into a tailspin. There's guilt. There's like, oh my God, did I do the right things? But I wouldn't have done anything differently because I had to protect my kids, you know? Yeah. So reflecting back, no. So what I did was I went into research mode. Like I straight up went into a rabbit hole and was determined to figure, to understand it all. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's bad when you're talking to doctors and they're blowing the fuck away, right? Yeah. Like, they didn't know what to say to me. So I went to like six different therapists and it was over their head and it was clear it was over their head. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to deal with this on my own. And so then I started getting more mad because now I'm looking at it going, it isn't just me. There's tons of people with a story like I have and people are judgmental. But what's this, what's the solution here? And what I came to in the end was the conclusion about the brain imaging that you really do need a billable pathway for doctors to be able to request an image and then prescribe medication back to people's brains. And I'll just tell you this too. Like, um, I, I'm really in a very spiritual, I'm into the guy app. It's like Epic, you know, anybody, I'm going to bring awareness to the guy app because everybody should be watching the freaking guy app. There's a guy <laughs> named Dr. Raymond Moody that is incredible talking about near-death experiences. So I had access to the top mediums in the world and I have connected with Marie multiple mm. times where there's like irrefutable proof that it's her, like no freaking way, you know? And so I've talked to her and with five of the, of the top mediums in the world, five separately didn't even know each other, didn't know, they don't care. Like they're so booked out that they don't care. They're just doing their job, right? Like we're yeah. talking, they're doing the same thing. So they get, kept getting the pills, the pills, the pills, the pills. So she's showing from the other side, it was the pills, Chris. It was the pills. I was not in my right mind. And this has come from the elite of the elite. Wow. And it ties back to now what you're doing. Woo! That's right. amazing. And so what I really, and I just got the chills. It's like a validation mm. when you get the chills, you know, mm -hmm. from the other side. That's how it works. So mediums are 100% legit. And I think in our lifetime, that's going to be proven scientifically too. I have some good insight into that. They're going to be able to actually prove all that. That's so amazing. there's a lot of people that are skeptical on that. That's a whole nother topic with religion and the way they're raised. So I'm just telling you straight up, it's real. No doubt yeah. about it. So yeah. you just have to get the right ones, you know? Yeah. So anyway, the bottom line is this. We shouldn't be dealing with uh, a medical industry that is doing things the same way they were doing when Abraham Lincoln was president. Okay. It, yeah. it just is ridiculous with all the technology and, you know, uh, ability for us to do the right things. This should have been handled a long time ago. So I shouldn't be sitting here having to tell this story. Marie should have had brain imaging. She should have went to the hospital. She should, they should have put her through a process and this should have been done correctly. But unfortunately there was just no billable pathway to do that. So insurance isn't going to pay for it, you know, so that the system is, is fucked up. 
Got so it. what I'm doing is I am literally bringing awareness, awareness to it at the highest level, like with former White House chiefs of staff, that level. Love to it. get legislation passed to do it right. How, how long do you think it's going to be before this stuff is out into the marketplace and actually being able to be able to be used? I don't know. So imagine throwing an entire industry on its ear. Yeah. Okay. So imagine, right? So, I mean, it takes guts to even come out here and say this, you know what I mean? Cause like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big deal. So I don't have an answer to that. Okay. All I know is that you have to get what I understand about Washington and I understand how to maneuver politically. So you have to get the right key people involved to bring awareness to it, go on CNN, talk about it, go on MSNBC. And then once people understand it, like I'm explaining it, you know, that how, yeah, how can you prescribe prescription drugs to somebody if you don't look at their freaking brain? You know, yeah. once people, the right message gets out there and this gets bigger and bigger and bigger, then change will take place. Yay. I love that. And yeah. I think we should wrap on that. Um, any other yep. like encouragement for anybody who's dealing with a loved one right now with addiction, any words of wisdom since you've been through it all? The words of wisdom is they need to go. It's emotional. It, it, most of this stems when people are drinking too much or they're having, they're trying to level their brain out they're not right emotionally. So mm -hmm. there's high anxiety. There's a reason there's trauma, like we had childhood trauma. So you got to get them in with a great therapist. And I, I know some great therapists now having, you know, trial and error with this, but they have to get in with a, the right therapist. That's number one. So they have to want, they have to understand that it's emotional. It isn't just like a straight up, I, I love wine and I'm dependent on wine. No, you're emotionally screwed up underneath. Yeah. So there's a reason for it. So that's my best words of wisdom on that. And then, you know, just look for positive things, look for change to come because it's going to happen. It has to happen. And a lot of lives are going to be saved and a lot of families aren't going to be wrecked. And so I look at it like I'm like a martyr with the thing, basically. And Marie was to help, you know, literally billions of people. Yeah. I mean, literally the world needs to have the right system in place. And then from that, we're going to see positive change. Yeah, I love that. All right. Well, thank you so cr much, Chris. I appreciate you pulling over on the side of the street to talk about this. I know this isn't easy. I've said this a thousand times too. I'm like, um, you know, again, like the more we talk about it, the less stigma, the less shame, the more awareness, yeah. and hopefully other people can connect the dots to then create a shift in this paradigm because we can give, right. we can talk about cancer all day long. We can even now talk about COVID yeah. all day long, but mental illness yep. and addiction, no. So thank you for being a part of the change. Sure. And thank you for doing what you do. And for anybody yeah, that sure. wants I just, to follow Chris. I wasn't going to hide. I, I, you know, it's interesting. Even like when I was going on dates and stuff, I was like, I wasn't telling people the truth about how she passed. And then I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to tell the truth. I'm just going to yeah. straight up say, here's what happened to me, but we're going to, you know, make a difference. Yeah. So. Good for you. Yep. And if anybody wants to keep um, up to date with Chris and the progress of what he's been talking about, I'll uh, put links down um, below and everyone else make sure to like this, um, like this episode. And if anyone has comments or want to hear more in the future from Chris, definitely leave it be and we will chat again. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. I okay, appreciate it. Okay. Love you, Ty. You're amazing. Right. Thank you for Take the care. Thank doing. you. Okay.